Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, the NFL Always Off Season GM, Fred. And we've got a great show planned for you today. I appreciate everybody working with us here. We're getting it back out a little bit late. I actually uh, took some time off from my uh, everyday job and from uh, some of the sports stuff that we've been doing the last couple uh, weeks here. So I definitely appreciate everybody working with us here. But we're going to dive into the storylines. We're going to make our predictions for the week. And then we're going to try to sort out the AFC and NFC playoff picture. So it's going to be a great loaded show, hopefully filling out everybody in the NFL situations here. So let's get right to it. So jumping right into our NFL storylines from week 14, and it it was a pretty pretty interesting week here we get in week 14. A lot of divisional matchups, some playoff pictures becoming a little bit clearer, uh, some of them getting a little bit more difficult, a little bit more muddied. And right off the top here, we're going to get a divisional matchup. It's going to be our number one storyline coming right out of Monday Night Football. And it's going to be the Los Angeles Rams keeping pace with the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC West. And they ended up taking taking down the Cardinals 30-23. to They were powered behind Matt Stafford's three touchdowns. Uh, One went to Cooper Cup. One went to Odell Beckham. One goes to Van Jefferson. And it ends up shaking out to be a really interesting game here. Uh, Sony Michelle ended up carrying the rock 20 times for 79 yards, really to kind of help set the pace in the ground game here with uh, Daryl Henderson out. And honestly, it, it's I, I believe the Rams jumped out to a lead and never surrendered it here in this one. It was actually a little out of hand to begin with for the most part. And then uh, as the game went on, the Cardinals kind of raced back into this one. But on the flip side, the Cardinals, uh, Kyler Murray, 383 yards, ends up with two picks though, which ends up being a huge detriment to them and then they get 61 yards on the ground from Kyler as well to go along with uh, James Conner getting 31 and two tutties on the ground so really interesting divisional race here the Cardinals ended up having the the outright one one seed prior to this game and now that they have lost to the Rams they're now I believe a half game behind the Packers they're tied with them Packers hold the tiebreaker so that puts them a game behind but really, it, I think pretty much if, if the Cardinals win this one, the NFC rest, excuse me, the NFC West race would have been done. Uh, but with the Arizona coming or losing this one, uh, the, that puts the Rams right back in the thick of it. I believe they're a game back on the Cardinals. Uh, and I know I had said earlier that these teams probably had one more game to play this year. That's that's actually false. They played a little bit earlier in the year, so the, the Rams are going to need a little bit more help from some of the other divisional foes. And uh, some of the other teams in the in the playoff race here to help knock these guys down, but regardless of how this comes out, the, the real X factor I thought in this game is going to be Odell Beckham Jr. This is a guy that nobody was planning on being on this squad. Comes in and s- supplies some very uh, legitimate offense for these guys. He ends up with six catches, seventy-seven yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that's enough that basically you're you're kind of replacing some of that Robert Woods uh, production. And really, that's what this team's been missing the last few weeks. And with him coming on and hopefully getting up to speed here with the rest of the squad, I think that could be huge for the Rams on the stretch run here, especially having that second second or third option, whatever he ends up being for that week. So Rams get a really tough win against a really good Arizona Cardinals team. In what may, might be the most interesting divisional race here, uh, we get our second storyline. It's going to be the Browns toppling the Ravens. And the thing that I think is most interesting about this is how this completely changes the landscape of this division moving forward. Uh, the Ra- the Browns get a 24-22 win over the Ravens. They jumped out to a big early lead, I believe, 
They were like 24 to 6 at halftime. Uh, the Ravens end up scoring 16 unanswered, but really can't make a comeback to get it into OT or even just uh, get over the top of the Browns. But when I'm looking at this one, the number one factor in this is Lamar Jackson hurting his ankle in the first quarter. He goes down with a sprained ankle, misses the entire game. And now uh, Tyler Huntley played very uh, admirably in filling in for him, but he's just not the same dynamic weapon that Lamar is. Lamar is a complete game changer and honestly is one of the most irreplaceable players in the league. So that's why when you're taking a look at this one and how he's owned the Browns, that completely changed the, the, the picture of this game, and not even the picture of this game, it opens the door for the Browns to get back in the division, into the wild card race, uh, and you, you take a look elsewhere, the, the Bengals are right in the thick of it as well too, they're 7-6 and six as well, they're right in the thick of it, it just opened the door to so many different possibilities now that all the teams are pretty much one game out except the Steelers, who are two back with the tie, that we don't really know what's going to happen here, uh, getting back to the game though, the, the Ravens actually outgained the Browns 289 or excuse me 389 yards to 290 uh, mostly through the air 271 and 119 rushing and then you get the Browns on the flip side 190 yards pass and 100 yards on the ground and if you're looking at where the name of the game is here it's the two fumbles lost by the Ravens they end up minus one in the turnover battle which when you get an extra possession in a game that you lose by two points that's absolute paramount importance you don't win a lot of those football games moving forward uh a lot of this uh rests on how healthy lamar is going to be uh so, who was it i was listening to somebody the other day they were they made a good point everybody handles sprained ankles different some people it was uh stanford steve on chris long's podcast and uh, a lot of these people say oh it's just a sprained ankle but a lot of people handle sprained ankles a lot of different ways like uh some people you can come back from the next week some people it takes multiple weeks uh some people you can just tape it up and uh wear a brace over it and it, and it just it's different it's it's bulkier but you can you can make it happen uh, i'll be really interested to see how lamar falls i'm guessing he falls in the category of one of these super athletic dudes that everything's got to be just right like he's so twitchy and he's so agile with all of his moves and in and out of his cuts and his speed and his athleticism is such a big part of his game that I can't see how this ankle is not going to affect him. I think you have a game lead here. I'm, they're going to have a couple more divisional games. I think what you would do is you would rest Lamar for at least a week here against the Green Bay defense. That's been pretty uh, daunting in the last few weeks here. And get him some rest and move forward uh, with him as your starting quarterback after that. Hopefully he can get it healed up enough, get it up, rehabbed enough here uh, in the next week or two that he'll be ready for game time in two weeks. But nonetheless, it sounds like they're going to try to move forward. It sounds like they're going to try to get him ready to start this Sunday. Uh, maybe if that's gamesmanship, I'm not sure. But either way, this this Browns win, it's huge for the Browns. It's huge for their playoff hopes. And it just makes this division even more interesting. Well, our week, or excuse me, not week three, but our third uh, storyline for the week isn't a divisional one. It was certainly a very interesting game. And it's going to be the 49ers uh, outgunning the Bengals, winning in overtime 26-23. to And this is another huge game in terms of the playoff picture because the Niners are one of those teams that are like just on the fringe. They're just getting in. And every win is ex- certainly is extremely important for them. And the Bengals on the flip side, we just mentioned, they're in this AFC North battle that 
every win's going to count here. They need every single one they can get. And dropping some some tough games, some close games like this at the end of the season is going to be really hard to stomach. Uh, but we get back to the game here. You're taking a look. It was a, it was a fairly close game. It's 397 total yards by the Bengals to 355 by the Niners. Uh, the, the main stat we're going to point out here, and especially in these one-score games, this is where these extra possessions count, is the turnover battle. The Bengals were minus two. Niners are plus two, and that's going to be huge. You're getting two extra possessions to try to make up some of the score, especially in a game that goes into overtime, and that's going to be that's going to matter of the utmost importance. Uh, flipping on the other side, Jimmy G was extremely efficient. He's 27 of 41, not the best completion percentage, but he's getting the ball out. He's getting it around the yard, 296 yards through the air and two touchdowns. Uh, rushing the ball, it was, it was spread out a little bit more. Jeff Wilson ends up with 56 yards. And Debo Samuel, just the absolute most versatile player right now in the NFL. 37 yards rushing and a touchdown on eight carries to go with one catch and 22 yards. So they're using them all over the place. They're spreading them all. They're, they're really putting the stress on defenses here, which brings us to our next point here. It opens things up for their, their number one pass catcher. And George Kittle's been on an absolute tear the last couple weeks. I believe he's had like over 20 catches and over 250 yards. And this week he had 13 catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. If you can get him going, he is a top two tight end in the league, no doubt in my mind. He can block, he can catch the ball, he stretches the field in the middle of the field. He's a matchup nightmare for some of these guys on defense because he's so big. And he's he's shown that he's a reliable target in the past game. So I think it's very important that they keep him going. And they, they keep making these versatile ways of using uh, Debo Samuel. And really Brandon Ayuk as well, too, is really has come on. On the flip side, the Bengals, they comp- they continue to be pesky and really make it difficult for teams to win these football games. But they never have been coming out on the top as of late the last couple weeks. Uh, Joe Burrow, 348 yards, two tutties. Uh, Joe Mixon really never got going on the ground, only 58 yards on 18 carries. Uh, they normally like to see him closer to that 100-yard mark. Uh, and through the air as well, they get Jamar Chase on two touchdowns. Uh, no surprise there. He's been a huge deep threat for them all season on 77 yards. And then they get T. Higgins with five catches, 114 yards. So they're really spreading the wealth. They're really airing it out. I think the, the recipe for winning for these guys has got to be more keep it on the ground, keep it in a manageable game. Uh, I think the part of it is they get some of these deficits and they feel like they need to sling it around the yard. I think maybe if you run the clock, keep the ball in your hands, keep it out of their hands, that's going to help you win some more football games. But it's going to be nonetheless an uphill battle for the Bengals, and the Niners really are making their playoff push here late in the season. So our fourth storyline is going to be a divisional matchup here, one that I thought had some some important implications. It's going to be the Cowboys setting their sights on the NFC's crown and getting the, the win over the Washington football team. And really, this one was a blowout early. The Cowboys jumped out to a big lead. They were at 24 to nothing at halftime. And then they ended up uh, surrendering quite a few points here in the, in the second half to let the, the Washington football team kind of creep back into this one. Uh, they looked really good early. And then as the game went on, they had a couple of really costly turnovers. Dak threw a pick six in the fourth quarter with just a few minutes left to bring it within one score. That really hurt them. That's very uncharacteristic of Dak. And really, he hasn't played like that all season. He's been at that you know MVP level for most of the season. But when you take a look at his stat line, it, it, it very, very well wasn't a very good game for Dak. And I don't know if he's still struggling for some of these injuries he's been coming back through all the season. But 211 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. 
it just really isn't going to get the job done. And they never really got it going on the ground either. They ended up having uh, 99 yards on the ground between Zeke and Corey Clement, who's filling in for Pollard. And on the flip side of things, Washington's offense was atrocious. Their defense really was the name of the game that kept them in this. Heineke ends up with a, uh, 122 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Ends up getting uh, replaced by Kyle Allen due to a knee injury. It sounds like Heineke's going to be back this week. But uh, nonetheless, I don't think it's much of a drop-off with him and Kyle Allen. And on the ground, they really just never got there either. It's Antonio Gibson leading the way with 36 yards on 10 carries. So it's it was an interesting game because it, it was an absolute blowout through about three quarters, three and a half quarters. And then Washington was just kind of pesky, kind of just hung in this one, hung in this one. Their defense played tough, got them, got them the stops they needed, got the ball back when they needed it. It was just the Cowboys really finishing it out. Uh, really showing that they're, they're the dominant team in the NFC East and that they can win these tough ones. Uh, I think at this point, this kind of makes it seem like the, the Cowboys are going to be the division winners. I think mathematically, uh, since the, the, the Washington football team and the Eagles are about three games out, they can still technically be in the playoff picture for the NFC East, but I just don't see it happening. That's a three-game makeup. You'd have to see the Cowboys take a really serious skid and see the, the rest of the teams here win out, which is going to be a very difficult, very tough task for since both of them are fighting for their playoff lives. So the Cowboys get a tough win. Every win in December is a huge one. So that's going to be our fourth storyline. And then for our fifth storyline, we get another uh, overtime game here. It's not a divisional showdown, but it's another one that has very serious in playoff implications if, you, <laughs> if you're getting the trend here. And it's going to be the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers outlasting uh, the Buffalo Bills, winning 33-27 to in overtime. And really, this is another game that kind of started off as, like, Tampa Bay running away with it. They were up 24-3 at halftime, and the Bills have a really big-time comeback on, on the feet and on the arm of uh, Josh Allen. And they, they, sh- they push this one into OT. And when they get into OT, they end up throwing a touchdown to take the lead. And really, when you take a look at this game, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, tons of offense in this one. 466 yards for the Bills, 488 for the Buccaneers. Most of the damage for the Bucks and the Bills coming through the air. 290, 293 for the Bills, 351 for the Buccaneers. And even when you take a look at the turnover battle, it's another key stat here. The Bills lost a possession. They end up throwing an interception, so they lose minus one to plus one there in the turnover battle. But really... You can't you can't knock Josh Allen for this one because he is the entire Bills offense right now. He's 308 yards through the air, two touchdowns and a one pick, and he gets 109 yards on the ground plus a touchdown. And someone said the best like he's so fast. He's like this deceptively fast individual that when he gets the corner, it, it's tough to catch him. And he's huge. He's like six four, six five, like 230, 240 pounds. He's an absolute load to bring down when he gets moving. And really, they just don't have a ground game at all. I just They don't even make an attempt to try to run the ball. Uh, I don't think Devin Singletary is that bad where you can't trust him getting you know, 10, 10 touches a game, 15 touches a game just to keep them honest, just to keep the box let, or a little heavier to help out Josh Allen in this past game to get at some of these receivers that are able to do damage when you get the ball in their hands. But... It, it just couldn't help the Bills this week. Then they, they still continue to struggle on both sides of the ball. And on the flip side, we're taking a look at the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady is, 
I find it hard to believe he's going to lose this MVP race. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's 43 years old, 44 years old, and he throws for another 363 yards and two touchdowns against a team that a lot of people has a, had as an AFC Super Bowl favorite for coming into this year. So you take a look at it, he's getting contributions all over the field too. Leonard Fournette, another 100-yard game for him with a touchdown. And he's really been able to spread the ball around to all these different weapons on this offense. Uh, Gronk's turning back the clock. He ends up with five catches, 62 yards, some really big ones, some chain movers in this one. But Chris Godwin, 10 receptions, 105 yards. Uh, this guy, I, I think he's got like 20, 30 receptions in the last two or three weeks here. He's really making a name and showing that he's one of Tom Brady's, if not his favorite target down this stretch run. And Mike Evans, the touchdown pass that Tom Brady threw him was an absolute laser. And there was only one place he could have put this ball over the defender that was going to keep Mike Evans in bounds. And he put it there and he put it on a rope. It was beautiful. It was a thing of beauty. And it's, it's very clear that Tom Brady has not lost it yet. And he's really pushing this team, and he really knows that he's got to—he's got to have what it takes to lead this team into the playoffs. Because it seems as though if this this defense isn't quite to the same level that they were in that stretch run last year, so the Buccaneers get a really tough win and a really huge statement win for them while they head into the playoffs here. This week's Jameis Winston Award is. Uh, I try not to go with a quarterback again, just because, like, obviously, like the name states, it's the the unlikely hero of the week. Uh, I tried to go with someone unlikely, and I really liked how this guy fit the bill. And uh, when I seen the stat line, it it definitely dawned on me. It was like, this is this is going to be our guy this week. And this week, your unlikely hero of the week is going to be Rashad Penny, running back for the Seattle Seahawks. And I know you're going to say Russell Wilson makes that offense goal. Uh, this week, I thought it was a different story. I thought that they're a whole different team when they get production like this out of this running back uh, group. And Rashad Penny with 16 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. And he looked like the guy that they selected in the first round years back out of San Diego State. And really has been pretty much almost a nothing for this team. He's been really injured. He's hardly ever cracking the starting lineup. Actually gets supplanted by seventh-round pick Chris Carson for the starting job. And really, now he gets his time to shine with Carson on IR for the rest of the year. And really, the, the rest of the offense looking almost non-existent outside of maybe Russ, DK, and then also uh, Tyler Lockett. So your unlikely hero of the week, uh, Rashad Penny, really helping propel this Seahawks offense to, to finish strong here and maybe give them something to play for and, and keeping Russell Wilson in town. So Rashad Penny, your Jameis Winston, unlikely hero of the week. So rolling right over into our week 15 project, or predictions. And just before we get started, I wanted to make sure we said that we had a really good week last week. Uh, we ended up going... 11 and three. Uh, we only lost three games last week out of our picks, and it was it was a great week. We're back on a hot streak here, so make sure you're tuning in. We're we're giving you the great picks now. So week 15, we're gonna lead right off with the Thursday night action. It's gonna be the Chiefs at the Chargers, and another great showdown. The Chargers got the best of them earlier in the year, and you're getting two high flying offenses. The the fireworks should be on display, and really when I when I take a look at this. I think Kansas City's hitting their stride at the right time, and I think Chargers still don't really have an identity on the defensive side of the football. 
So that's why I'm going to roll with the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night over the Chargers. I think Patty Mahomes is going to have a great game. I think you're going to see a lot of production out of Travis Kelsey. And I think you're going to finally start to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire start to make a name for himself in these last few weeks. So give me the Chiefs over the Chargers. Which takes us into the the Sun, or excuse me, I believe we have some Saturday games this week. And the first one's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. And really, I I believe the Cleveland Browns are getting heavy with some of these COVID protocols. I know they're all over the league right now. I know the Los Angeles Rams are really suffering too. But in this game, I still think as long as you have at least one of those two running backs, Baker Mayfield healthy, and this defensive backfield with Miles Garrett, I think you're going to be safe if you're the Cleveland Browns. I don't think that the, the Oakland, or excuse me, Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders really have an identity on either side of the ball. They're really a, a middling football team that was overachieving earlier in the year. And I, I'm not a huge believer in what they got rolling on either side of the ball. So give me the Cleveland Browns over to Las Vegas Raiders, even with some of these these uh, these COVID uh, situation with uh, both or with the, with the Cleveland Browns. Wow, I'm really struggling there. <laughs> and then rolling still into Saturday, we get probably the game of the week here. You're getting the New England Patriots at the Indianapolis Colts. And when I'm looking at this game, these are two juggernauts facing off. The Colts have been one of the hottest teams in football lately, especially finding their identity running the ball behind Jonathan Taylor, going to town against a top three defense in New England and really I think the name of the game here is when you they match up so well on both sides of the ball uh, you got a top 10 defense in the Colts going against a top 10 offense in the Patriots with a top three uh, defense in the Patriots going against a top three offense in the Colts so when you take a look at it I think that they match up really well and I don't think this is going to be about Jonathan Taylor we know Bill Belichick likes to take one guy away it's most likely going to be Taylor I think it's going to be the quarterback race. And I think while Max looked really good lately, he's still young. He's still a first-year football player. He's he's looked efficient, but he hasn't looked dominant. So I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to trust Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts at home here. I'm going to take the Colts over the New England Patriots. I think that they're going to really make a big move here for their playoff push and can, and show themselves as a legitimate threat in the AFC. So give me the Colts over the Patriots which is going to take us into our next game then. It's going to be the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers are just looking all kinds of uh, befuddled on both sides of the ball right now. Their defense has always been something that they've been able to hang their hat on. And they've looked tough at times this year with Cam Hayward and uh, TJ Watt and company on that side of the ball. But the offense has really been sputtering as of lately. I don't know if Ben's got enough juice left to really engineer this offense to a win and when I look at the other side of things the Tennessee Titans it's I don't know how they still keep winning football games I guess it's because they play in the AFC South and they get two of the worst teams in football in the same division but there's still there's still a few games away from getting Derrick Henry back Uh, Ryan Tannehill does not look like the same player without Henry as he does with him so I have some very legitimate concerns there as well but when I'm taking a look at how we're going to pick this game, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans, mainly just because of their ability to have a, a running attack. I know it's normally focused around Derrick Henry, but they've gotten a lot of production out of a lot of different places with 
the two, three guys that they've been able to kind of plant in there and really sustain something on offense. So I think that they'll do enough there and that their defense has improved enough that it's better than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think that they're going to win this football game. So give me the Titans at the Steelers, which takes us into the Carolina Panthers at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we get the, the Brandon Bean Bowl. He's a former Carolina Panther, now the GM of the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills have come off a, a really tough loss here against the Buccaneers. They played really well in the second half there, really to come back and push that game to OT only to lose. So I think that they're going to pull this one out. I think that they're just the better football team overall. And the Carolina Panthers, are they're kind of a mess. Uh, their defense is pretty solid, but on offense – Who's going to be running that offense? Is it going to be P.J. Walker? Is it going to be Cam Newton? Uh, Sam Darnold's still missing time. I don't see him being the guy. So where are we going on offense here? Christian McCaffrey's out. Uh, there's just all kinds of confusion now that even Joe Brady's out. I mean, we, we have all kinds of reasons not to trust this offense. So give me the Buffalo Bills winning at home. Which takes us into the next game. It's going to be the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. We're getting a really good showdown here with the football team uh, coming to Philly. I think that they've been really pesky as of late. Uh, they've been able to play good defense, surprisingly, missing a couple of their best players in Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young. And then on the flip side of things, I know Jalen Hurts missed last week. We'll see if he's going to play this week. Gardner Minshew looked good enough, even if he doesn't play, that they could still win this football game. But uh, I think you're not getting a ton out of the quarterback position either way. So when I'm looking at this game, what I'm looking at is the defense. Whose defense do you trust more to stop the other team's offense? And I think that's going to go to the Washington football team. They looked extremely competitive against the Dallas Cowboys last week. I think that if they can hold the Dallas Cowboys, you can hold the Philadelphia Eagles. So give me the Washington football team over the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're bringing it back here. We're the most unwatchable game of the entire week. It's going to be the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm going to take this time right now to go over this because this was breaking news as of last night. But Urban Meyer's out as the head coach in Jacksonville, and that's an even bigger mess than it was coming into this year. At least when you were under Doug Marone, you had some stability. You had a, a respected NFL official at the front of your football team. And Urban Meyer, I, I defended him a little bit at the beginning of the season. I said he's a he's a bona fide winner. He's won everywhere he's ever went. Why not believe in this guy for a little bit? And I've been 100% wrong on that entire front the entire year. Uh, all the reports you hear coming out of Jacksonville is that this dude is a toxic, just arrogant, a uh, leader of not even men. He's a leader of boys. He thinks he's better than everybody. And I just, I don't like it. It puts a very bad taste in my mouth. And I think it's great that they finally got off of this guy. I mean, there's reports coming out that he was, he was kicking their kicker. Like, what are we? Are we, to are we toddlers? I don't understand what, what the, the point of this is at this point. So I'm going to get off my soapbox here, but I'm quite disappointed in Urban Meyer. I was, a, I was a believer, but I'm a hundred percent out on this guy. Don't even put him on big noon kickoff anymore. Just don't even let him coach football ever again. Get him out of the game. We'll be better for it. And originally, I was taking the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game when I thought they had some stability in the front office. But now that they're an absolute dumpster fire, they're, I mean, they're both these teams are dumpster fires at this point. Just which one's fires bigger? And I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars just stink right now. And their, their fire is burning big. 
So give me the Houston Texans. At least they their coach is somebody that you can respect in a football game over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Which is going to take us to the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. And we get an NFC, NFC East showdown that doesn't have a ton of sizzle. Mainly because uh, the Giants aren't a very good football team as of late. It sounds like Joe Judge is going to keep his job. Uh, which is going to make the, the GM search a little bit tougher once Gettleman's out of there. But I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys probably in a landslide here. I don't see that this Giants defense is going to play good enough defense to even hold this team under 30 points. Uh, I think they'll finally get the running game going, and I think that the Giants will continue to flounder as they just dive into a deep abyss of losses here. So give me the Cowboys over the Giants at the Meadowlands. Which takes us into the next game here. It's going to be the Arizona Cardinals at the Detroit Lions. Uh, Arizona Cardinals took a tough loss last week, but um, there's no shame in that loss. Uh, the, the Rams are a good football team, and the Arizona Cardinals have shown that they have the ability to to hang with anybody, and the Detroit Lions aren't just anybody. They're, they're kind of nobody. Uh, one, one win on the year, I think that this is an easy Arizona Cardinals win. Get back things back on the right track here. Uh, Kyler Murray to throw for a couple tutties and run for about 100 yards again. I think they're going to get things right. Cardinals over the Lions. Which leads us into the Jets at the Miami Dolphins. And don't look now, the Dolphins are, I believe, sitting at like an 8 or 9 spot in the AFC with an outside shot to make the playoffs. And the last probably 4 or 5 weeks here, they've looked like the football team I thought that they were going to be. I thought they were going to be a game manager in Tua. They're going to be able to run the ball. And they were going to play elite defense. And that's exactly what this defense has looked like behind uh, Jalen Phillips. And some of these other rookies, Jevin Holland, Xavier uh, Howard's looked like he's had another renaissance as well, too. So give me the Miami Dolphins. I think that they're just overall the better football team at this point compared to the New York Jets. And I think that they're going to show it this week. Which takes us to the Bengals at the Broncos. And I know uh, later, in the, later in the show here, we're going to have a segment about the Bengals. And I really like what the Bengals are doing. I think they're one of the better stories of the year. This this team that nobody thought was going to be good, they're destined for a top 10 pick again, really kind of turned it around. They're above 500 at the moment. And I think they're going to get another one here. I think that their offense has a ton more juice than the Denver Broncos. And I, I like the Denver Broncos defense, but their offense is just so bad that I don't think that they're going to score enough points to keep up with Joe Burrow and company on that side of the ball. So give me the Bengals over the Broncos on Sunday. And then we get the Kyle Shanahan Bowl later in the afternoon with the Falcons at the 49ers. Shanahan, currently the head coach of the 49ers, former OC of the Atlanta Falcons before he took the job. Uh, I think that the 49ers are hitting their stride right at the right time. They're currently inside the playoff race as it stands, and I think that's only going to get better from this game. I know Atlanta's just on the outside looking in, but I think that's a big-time pretender. I don't believe in their defense, and I think that San Francisco is going to run wild and do whatever they want on the offensive side of the ball against this team. Give me the Niners up big over the Atlanta Falcons. Which takes us into another divisional showdown here. It's going to be the Seahawks at the Rams. And the Rams, uh, I mentioned it earlier, that they're getting hit heavy by COVID. They have a ton of dudes in protocol right now. Uh, But when I look at this... It's almost like no holds bar here, and I almost took the Seattle Seahawks in this one just because in divisional showdowns, Russ knows when to bring it, and Russ has looked like Russ in the last like week or two here. 
I'm, I'm sure he's still got some ailment with that finger injury he had. He's throwing the ball isn't going to be quite as easy. But uh, Rashad Penny looking like a very competent NFL running back last week gives you hope. So it's not enough hope just so I'm going to take the, the Rams instead. But I still think it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be really close, maybe three points. So give me the Rams over to Seahawks by three, which is going to take us into the next Sunday game. It's going to be the Green Bay Packers at the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar's status is up in the air. And if he doesn't play, this is going to be a route by Green Bay all day. They've been um, really coming on strong as of late. Rodgers has been picking apart defenses and looking really sharp, like another MVP season for him. And the Ravens have really been struggling to stay afloat in that AFC North. They're currently in first, but they're, it's not by much. Uh, I believe every team except the Steelers is one game behind them. And if Lamar doesn't play, this one could get, get ugly, and it could get ugly fast. So I'm still taking the Packers regardless just because it's hard to pick against Rodgers in December and what his record's been for most of his career. So give me the Packers over the Ravens at the Ravens. And then we get the Sunday night divisional matchup. Uh, this New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In years past, this has been an absolute showdown. And I know there's some serious bad blood between these teams in the NFC South. But when I'm looking at this showdown, Taysom Hill against Tom Brady just doesn't have a lot of buzz. It doesn't give me uh, a lot to look forward to here. I think I think Tom Brady's going to have the ability to carve these guys up. And uh, I listened to an interview by Levante David on the Pat McAfee show and I think that they're really dialed in and they're really focused uh, coming into this matchup. They know what their they know what their eyes are set on. They're looking at the, the Lombardi trophy and they're taking it one week at a time and I think they're really starting to hit their stride. I think they're going to put up a ton of points on this team and I don't think Taysom Hill is going to have the firepower to keep up with them. So give me Tom Brady and the Buccaneers over the New Orleans Saints. And for our Monday night showdown this week we get very close unwatchable game here to being one of those but it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears and really I mean this game's anybody's pick uh, these are two teams that really struggle to find any identity at all uh, you see the Bears be really good play really good football for a half against the Packers last week and then really get boat race in the second half and then you see the Minnesota Vikings team who lose to the Viking or lose to the Detroit Lions give them their only win on the season but then really jump out to a screaming lead against the Pittsburgh Steelers the next week. So I'm not sure what to make of this matchup. I, I, I do believe in Kirk Cousins more than I believe in Justin Fields at this point. So give me the Vikings over the Bears on a Monday night showdown. So make sure, as always, you tune in to next week, see how we did on our picks, and uh, as always, come back for the picks each week. So for our next segment, we're going to be bringing back the contender-pretender series, and we're going to use the current playoff picture, and we might include a couple of the AFC-NFC teams that are just on the outside looking in just because of how tight the race is currently. But starting off, we're going to go over to the AFC side, and the number one seed currently is going to be the New England Patriots, who if the season ended today, would get a first-round bye in the playoffs. And the New England Patriots are a little bit of a surprise team this year, I don't think really anybody expected them to be the one seed. I actually had been uh, predicted to make the playoffs, not necessarily the one seed, though. And when we take a look at their stats, you're seeing a team that's currently 10th in scoring offense, 1st in scoring defense. And 
18th in scoring or off yardage on offense, and then third in yardage on defense, and then 11th in turnovers on offense, and third in turnovers on defense. So the, the important part here is the scoring offense and defense. This is a team that manufactures points at a top 10 clip, and also on the flip side is allowing the least amount of points in the NFL. And they're also taking away the ball probably much more than any other team in this league. They're Obviously, they're number three. So there's only two more teams on top of them. So the, in my opinion, that's a recipe for success. I think that this team is built to win late in the season, especially when you think about them getting home field advantage at Foxborough there. We remember some of these classic Tom Brady games where there's there's snow you know, a foot deep and he's slinging the ball all over the field. Now, the only part that makes me a tad bit leery is Mac's ability to, to sling the ball around the field. We haven't really seen a marquee game from him where, you know, he throws for a bunch of yards and, you know, three, four touchdowns. So uh, I'm a little bit leery to say that he could come from behind a win, but currently the way this team is built, they, they are a contender status with the way that defense plays and how they take care of the ball and even how they run the ball. they got two big backs that are not afraid of contact and that can really run the rock all over the field. So give me the New England Patriots every day of the week and twice on Sunday as a contender. Next up is going to be the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans currently are 9-4, and four, I believe. I have it up right here. Yep, 9-4. and four. And they're currently the number two seed in the AFC and when we're taking a look at this team, I'm I'm firmly planning them in the pretender category, mainly because when you take a look at this team, they're 15th in scoring offense and 15th in scoring defense. And they're 25th in turnovers on offense and 13th in turnovers on defense. So their defense is much improved over last year. Uh, they're in the top half of the league in most important statistical categories here. But on offense... Their entire identity is built around Derrick Henry, and if they don't have Derrick Henry, they're pretty much, I don't want to say nothing, but th this is a completely different football team. And the way it's currently built, I, I haven't even been impressed with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones this year. They can't seem to stay healthy and stay on the field the last couple years. So how can you rely on them in a playoff game, playoff series? So that's what I look at this team and I say I, I think they're firmly a pretender I don't I would not be afraid to play this team in the playoffs Ryan Tannehill has shown he can't take care of the ball without their running game even with their running game it's sometimes not enough they ran for 300 yards against I believe it was the Patriots and they still lost the football game by multiple scores so the Tennessee Titans in my opinion firm pretenders and I don't really see them making any noise in the playoffs this year, even if uh, Derrick Henry comes back. They're a much harder out if Derrick Henry comes back. But the way it currently stands, I'm, I'm not thoroughly impressed with them. So that brings us to the number three seed in the NFC or the AFC, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs are leaps and bounds better than the first time we had this conversation. I believe they probably fell in our pretender category the first time we had this conversation or maybe didn't even make it. But now when we're taking a look at it, uh, I would I would filter them in as a, uh, a contender at this point. Uh, their offense is 
really, really firing on all cylinders now. They're eighth in scoring offense, fourth in yardage. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, makes me a little bit cautious that they're 29th in turnovers currently on offense, which is a pretty high number. Uh, usually Patrick Mahomes takes care of the ball better than that. But on the flip side, their defense is vastly improved. Uh, they were a bottom three unit for, through the first few weeks. And now they're currently sitting at six in scoring defense and six in turnovers. So this is a team that isn't giving up a lot of points and it's taking the ball away a ton, which is possibly offsetting a lot of those issues that they're having on the other side of the ball with turnovers, which I know we talk about turnover margin a lot when we're in our storyline segment, taking a look at games from the past week. And it's a huge part of football. If you take care of the ball, if you win the turnover, turnover battle, a lot of times you're going to win that football game. And if, since they're breaking even here, I think that they have a little bit of leeway here because this is a team that is going to score a ton of points, even without the extra possessions. Now you're breaking even on the possessions, you're still scoring a ton of points. They're not taking the ball away from you because you're getting it back just as much. So when I look at it that way, plus factored in with the, the weapons they have on offense with Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, Clyde edwards Alaire looks a lot better the last few weeks than he has for pretty much his entire career. Uh, I, I really like what they what they can do on offense. And I really like their ability in the playoffs since, since we've seen them do it before. So Kansas City Chiefs, definitely a contender in the AFC. And that's going to bring us into our... Oh, excuse me, I'm really struggling here this morning. That's going to bring us into our next team here. It's going to be the four seed currently in the AFC playoffs, and it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens have had some issues as of late. They're 8-5. and five. Uh, They're currently first in the AFC North, but they've been hit by the injury bug big time this year. They lost uh, J.K. Dobbins before the season even started. They lost Marcus Peters before the season even started. Uh, as of recent, they lost Marlon Humphrey. Another corner, I believe Jimmy Smith Smith's extended amount of time. And then uh, as it stands now, their starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson, also is going to miss some time due to injury. Uh, not Actually, I don't even think that's confirmed. But he's got a sprained ankle, and they're not sure what's going to happen with him there. And when we look at this team, they're 16th in scoring offense, 5th in yardage. So they're moving the ball a ton. They're just not necessarily scoring points all the time. And on the flip side, they're 10th in scoring defense and 18th in yardage. And then for turnovers, the 21st on offense, 29th on defense. So first thing that stands out to me, turnovers are alarming. They have, they're turning it over uh, in the bottom half of the league. But at the same time, they're also not taking the ball away. They're bottom five in the league and taking the ball away. So that's a huge red flag for me. And when I look at the offense and you're not able to score points, you're just moving it up and down the field. Those are just empty stats, in my opinion. Uh, you're just barely right in the middle of the league there at scoring on offense. And that's that's also a huge red flag. And their defense has done a great job, I think, especially considering all the injuries that they've had. I know their de- defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, has this like banded system where he loves heavy pressure schemes. And it's, it's really paid dividends for them against a lot of teams. But I think it's finally going to start catching up with them here, especially now that you don't see Lamar Jackson in the in the lineup. He He's a complete factor and game changer, not even just on the offense. We all know what he can do on offense. He's scoring points. He's 
He's engineering the offense. He's moving him up and down the field at will at sometimes. But really, when when he's really moving like that, it's keeping it's keeping the other team's defense on the field and keeping his defense off the field. It's really changing how both teams have to play the game. So that's why I I'm gonna call them a pretender. You, you can't let it all rest on the one guy's shoulders all the time. Uh, check out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for much of his career. Uh, if you rely on one guy and when that guy is not 100% there healthy, you run into some very serious issues. So give me the Baltimore Ravens as pretenders currently. Which takes us into our five seed. It's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers currently. And the Los Angeles Chargers are another team that's had a really up and down season. Uh, they started off red hot. They came out of the gates where they were like, I believe it was like four and two, five and two, and then they lost a few straight. And now they're back up to eight and five. They're second in the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs, and really, uh, it's behind the arm of Justin Herbert. This team goes as Justin Herbert goes. They're eighth in scoring offense, sixth in yardage, and eighth in turnovers. And on the flip side of the ball, you're seeing them come in at 26th in scoring defense, 16th in yardage, and 13 in turnovers. So, the I guess we'll go with the positives here first. Is Justin Herbert's ascension has been real the last couple years. He's the real deal. He's not a pretender at the quarterback position. He knows what he's doing, and he can really move the ball and score points, uh, as evidenced by his production last year and their offensive production this year. I think they have a really good supporting cast around them too. They have a lot of wide receivers at Keenan Allen, Michael Williams, or excuse me, Mike Williams, <laughs> uh, Jared Cook at tight end, and then they got Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, the rookie at wide receiver, who are solid, you know, three and four options there. Running back Austin Eckler is kind of a do-it-all guy. He can um, run the ball. He can catch a ball out of the backfield. Another great option there. But when we're taking a look at the defenses where I have some concerns, I really like this defense. Uh, what they did to Kansas City earlier in the year, I thought was kind of a blueprint that teams followed uh, moving on with the too high look. And they do have playmakers on that side of the ball with Derwin, Derwin James and uh, Joey Bosa. And I just don't know if they have, they've had the, the ability to pl- replace some of the production they've lost with Melvin Ingram at that opposite pass rusher position. But they're still taking the ball away in the top half of the league. So you're getting some extra possessions there. But I, I'm a little bit leery as to considering them a contender just because if you're relying on Justin Herbert at this point in his career to score, you know, 43 points to win you a football game, that's not exactly a recipe for success in a second-year quarterback. So that's why I'm going to stick on the the pretender side of things for the Chargers right now as they come in at the five seed. Which takes us into the next team, and the next team here is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts had an absolutely meat grinder to begin the year. I think they started off like 1-5, and 2-5, and five, and they've really come on as of late as they currently sit at 7-6. and six. So they're the number three scoring offense, 11th in yardage and 11 in turnovers. And on the flip side of things, they're the ninth scoring defense, 13th in yardage on defense, and the number one team in turnovers. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to consider this team a contender. Uh, the only problem is I really hope they get in the playoffs because this is such a tight race. 
and their schedule is not favorable at the moment. Uh, I think they they just got done playing the Buccaneers a couple weeks back. Now they go to, or excuse me, they have to face off against the New England Patriots, which is no easy task. And I I believe they still have another tough game coming down the, the pike here. Yep, they have the Arizona Cardinals, and then they round it out with the, the Raiders and the Jaguars as well. So I'm not exactly sure if, you know, 9-8 is good enough to get you in the playoffs. So they might have to sneak a, a win against one of those tougher teams there, which they're definitely capable of. Uh, the ascension of Jonathan Taylor is the main reason here for believing in the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this guy is the real deal. He comes out of Wisconsin. He's like a mid-4-3 uh, low four fours, and he's like 220, 230 pounds. He's an absolute tank, and he's he's not afraid to catch a ball out of the backfield. He's really dynamic. He's almost uh, made every single guy on their roster, other than a, I shouldn't say on every single guy, every single running back on their roster, expendable besides himself. And he's really taken a huge load off of Carson Wentz, which I think is kind of something that he needed to take a step back and just play as a game manager for a while until he got back to that high level of football that he was playing in Philadelphia. On the flip side, their defense has has been very legit under Matt Eberflus the last few years. I know I did a segment at the beginning of the year, who who would be your ideal defensive coordinator? And the turnaround that this defense has seen under Matt Eberflus is something that makes me want him as a defensive coordinator in my building. I think it's been pretty impressive what they've been able to do, engineering pass rush, and then when you go to the second level there and you have Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki, it's an extremely impressive group uh, pairing there as well, too. And on the back end, even with missing on guys like Malik Hooker, you get you bring in other guys like uh, Xavier Rhodes, and then you got Rocky Sin. Uh, it's all great. It's all great stuff, and you're really able to kind of capitalize on some of these guys as uh strengths while not showing their weaknesses as well too evidenced by how much they turn the ball over so give me the Colts as a definitely contender if they get in the playoffs any team should be scared whether regardless if they're a seven seed or if they're going to be a five four three seed so Colts firmly in contender status which brings us to our last team in the playoff picture and currently the last team in the playoff picture in the AFC is going to be the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills are a team that's really fallen on hard times here. They currently stand at 7-6 and six after being the darling for pretty much everybody in the preseason. And really the numbers the numbers don't exactly look bad. There's the sixth scoring offense, eighth in yardage, and their third in scoring defense at first in yardage on defense. And their third in turnovers on defense, 17th in turnovers on offense. So the only reason that I think that the stats look so good is that their margin of victory over some teams is so big that it's making it's offsetting some of these, these worst losses. So when you take a look at games like, oh, the Houston Texans, they went 40 to nothing. The Miami Dolphins, they went 35 to nothing. Uh, even against the Kansas City Chiefs, they won 38 to 20. I mean, that's an 18-point difference. And then you, you take a look at the New Orleans Saints, 31 to 6 they win. Then you come into some of these other games when you're losing. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they only score six points. But then you lose to the Tennessee Titans, 34-28. to They're scoring a ton of points. But when you have a couple of goose eggs on your record here, it's really going to offset some of these bad games. 
So it's it's really hard to make out what this team is. But I'm actually going to call this team a pretender. I'm not putting them in the contender category. I'm not falling for the false music here. They were actually my, my preseason Super Bowl favorite. And Josh Allen's looked brilliant at times this year. But when you get late in football games and you need to, to really run the clock and you need to maintain possession of the football and get the, the clock down to nothing so you can close the game out, I don't think that they can do that. I don't look at Devin Singletary, uh, Zach Moss, Matt Breida as this, this committee that's going to be able to really grind teams down and get the yardage and get the first downs when they need it and put the game away. I don't see it. On the flip side, I love their defense, but what is this team without Tredavious White? We just seen a buff our Tampa Bay Buccaneers team throw up thirty three uh, points on on them, uh, and really Tom Brady threw for almost four hundred yards. Um, I don't really like this team without Tredavious White on defense. I don't think they've really been able to generate as much pass rush pass rush as they wanted. So, give me the the Buffalo Bills as a pretender at this current moment. So that's going to be it for the AFC playoff picture. We'll come. We'll circle back around once uh, we're done with the NFC and go through some some of these teams that are on the outside looking in, uh, maybe just for like one or two each, and let it, let you know our thoughts on them. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to the NFC. So jumping over to the NFC side of things here, the number one uh, current number one seed for the NFC is going to be the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers have been just steadily good all season long. And even with uh, a hobble there in Rodgers the last few weeks have looked extremely sharp. And I think it's it's due to the, the resurgence of their defense currently. They're seventh in scoring defense, sixth in yardage, and eighth in, turno- eighth in turnovers, which is vastly improved numbers over uh, some of their defensive stats over the rest of the Rodgers regime here in Green Bay. Really, it's their offense kind of lagging behind and currently sitting at 14th in scoring offense and 13th in yardage but they're first in turnovers on offense so they're really taking doing a good job of taking care of the ball which is no surprise with how Aaron Rodgers plays football I think their offense is lagging behind a little bit mainly to some of these games where you see when Jordan Love started against the Kansas City Chiefs and he only scores seven points or like the New Orleans Saints when they only scored three or even like the Seattle Seahawks they only scored 17 but two of those uh three games were just awful games that I almost consider throwaway games. The rest of them, they've been extremely competitive and scored enough points to win the football game. So I, I don't think that the offensive numbers are fool's gold. I just think that the, the resurgence of this defense and the, the signings of Devondre Campbell and Preston Smith taking a pay cut and looking like an absolute superstar, or not a superstar, but absolutely a great player again, have been big time for this team they've really needed it and Rasul Douglas bringing him in off the scrap heap and how good he's been with two pick sixes in like three weeks is just one of the more impressive things I've seen all year one of the best uh, team building things you've seen all year so hats off to their front office and I'm I'm firmly supplanting them in the the contender category mainly because I don't think we've even seen the best football from this offense yet uh, there have Devonte Adams has looked like Devonte Adams, but the weapons outside of him, I know they aren't that great. But Aaron Rodgers has always gotten the best out of them, 
and really this this running back duo hasn't hasn't had quite that that marquee signature game they've each looked good in their own right in specific games but we haven't quite got that game like we have in years past with Jones and Dylan where they both run for 100 or Dylan runs for 100 and Aaron, Aaron Jones has got 75 on the ground and 50 through the air so I think that we're really going to see this team evolve and they know how to play in the cold weather, especially if it's running through Green Bay. So give me the Green Bay Packers as contenders. So shifting over to the second seed currently in the NFC. And currently the second seed in the NFC is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And don't look now, but uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are firmly making their playoff push again as they have in years past. They're currently sitting at 10-3 and in top to the NFC South. And they have the number one scoring offense, number one in yardage, and 11th in turnovers. And then on the flip side, you see the defense. They have their 19th in scoring, 14th in yardage, but they're fifth in turnovers. So I'm just going to come right out and say it. This team is 100% a contender. Uh, even with their defense taking a step back compared to last year, that number of turno- turnovers you're getting, you're top five in the league on defense. That's huge. That's that's a big-time number. You're gaining a ton of extra possessions for a team that's number one in scoring offense. This team's going to put up points in bunches, and I think it's even more big-time that they finally had a running back take that lead job by the reins and Leonard Fournette, who's looked like an absolute stud and like he's turned back the clocks. And he's had 100 yards and I think it's like three or four of his last uh, five games. So hats off to him. It looks like a big-time bargain signing that they've gotten there. So I definitely think that these Tampa Bay Buccaneers are contenders and that they should, they're should they a very serious threat to unseat the Packers again in the NFC as they are currently tied with them for first place, but they lose out on the tiebreaker there. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, contenders. Bringing us into the third seed in the NFC. And the third seed in the NFC, if the season ended today, would be the Arizona Cardinals, who have taken quite the tumble here after losing only one game. But the Arizona Cardinals are definitely still a vastly improved football team over the past year. Uh, They're currently sitting on top of the NFC West, and they're a game ahead of, the, I believe, the Los Angeles Rams. And when you take a look at how this team's built, they're fourth in scoring offense, ninth in yardage, and fourth in turnovers. Well, on the flip side, they're fourth in scoring defense, fifth in yardage, and sixth in turnovers. So they're top five in every single category, and t- except two, and top ten in the other two. So that is that that is a well-rounded football team. They're scoring points and they're taking care of the football. But the main concern I have with this team is going to be Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's an absolutely electric football player, and he's got an absolute cannon. He knows how to play offense. He knows how to play the quarterback position. And it's this is a completely different team with him at the helm, with him able to throw the ball and run the ball. If he's nicked up or injured, even in the slightest, this team's playoff chances are almost zero, I want to say, because I don't think Colt McCoy's outgun at the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or any of these other football teams in a playoff game. So that's why I, I preface it by saying that. I'm still going to con- include them as a contender. Uh, in my eyes, with those numbers on both sides of the ball, you are firmly in contender status, uh, being top 10 on pretty much every single category. I, I think what's been more impressive than the offense, we know what they can do on offense with James Conner, Chase Edmonds, even though he's been nicked up lately. 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's also been nicked up, Christian Kirk, uh, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz. We know what they bring to the table on offense, especially with Kyler Murray at the helm. But on the defensive side of the ball, I've been really impressed. Uh, Chandler Jones looks like he hasn't lost a step even after missing a significant amount of time in the last couple of years. Uh, the resurgence of Marcus Golden playing opposite him has been really impressive as well. And on the back end, Buda Baker once again looking like an all-pro safety. Isaiah Simmons really stepping up in that middle linebacker role. Uh, Zayvon Collins also coming in at linebacker as well as a rookie. So hats off to them on the defensive side of the ball. I've been really impressed. So give me the Arizona Cardinals as contenders as long as Kyler Murray's healthy. Which is going to take us right into our fourth seeded team in the NFC. And it's currently the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys is another team where it's a tale of two teams and they looked extremely hot at times this year, and they've looked extremely extremely cold at some times this year. They currently sit at nine and four, top of the NFC East, and really this team is all offense uh, in years past, as we've seen. It's their their second in scoring offense, second in yardage, seventeenth in turnovers. A little bit of a concerning number there. But on the defensive side of the ball, they're still 12th in scoring defense, 23rd in yardage, and 2nd in turnovers. So when I look at this team, uh, I mean, we know what they are on offense. They've been the same juggernaut on offense for years with Dak at the helm, Zeke in the backfield. And now they still have Amari Cooper out wide, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. they got a couple tight ends and excuse me, Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. I'm not sure if he's still healthy or not, but, I mean, that's a ton of weapons for Dak to use. And Dak has been extremely efficient in years in recent years before he got hurt last year even, too. So we know what this team is on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to score points in bunches. The, the concern's always been on defense. And there's a couple of... Uh, big-time defensive players that have really kind of helped turn this team around. You look at Trayvon Diggs, he's got like eight interceptions. And I know he's given up a ton of yardage, but when you're that uh, ball-aware and able to make plays on the ball on defense and take it away from the other team, that is a huge asset. You're getting an extra possession alone just on Trayvon Diggs pretty much every single week just because he knows how to play the ball when it's in the air and get interceptions. That is huge in my opinion. Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm such a proponent of turnovers that I'm considering this team a contender. And we haven't even talked about their pass rush. Randy Gregory's looked really great. And rookie Micah Parsons is looks like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor at this point. He's in very serious con, uh, conversation for defensive player of the year. And they don't even have Tank Lawrence back running at all at full full goal yet and he's considered their best pass rusher that they have so this team is i believe a very serious threat uh in the nfc and if you haven't noticed the first four teams are all contenders in the nfc so it's going to be an absolute meat grinder this year uh we're not finished yet so we're getting into the the number five seed currently in the nfc and the number five seed in the nfc currently is the los angeles rams and the Los Angeles Rams, uh, with Sean McVay at the helm, have always been, I don't want to say a perennial playoff team, but a perennial playoff qualifier pretty much here. They're currently 9-4. and four. They're second in the West, one game behind the Rams, as we meant, or excuse me, behind the Cardinals, as we mentioned. 
and they're fourth in scoring offense, seventh in score in yardage on offense, and sixth in turnovers. But when we take a look at the flip side of it, it's 17th in scoring defense, 15th in yardage, and 11th in turnovers. So I have, I don't really have a, a number of concerns. Uh, as of late, this offense has lo- has looked a little bit better. Um, Matt Stafford, we we knew what we were getting with him. He's he's got a he's got a live arm. He's able to make every single throw on the offense that Sean McVay is going to ask him to make. And really, this game is more reliant on the run game. And I don't know if they have the the dog in the backfield to really man that that burden. Darrell Henderson hasn't looked terrible this year, and Sony Michelle is Sony Michelle. We know what we're getting with him. Uh, he's not a top end running back. He's not a bottom end running back. He's somewhere right in the middle. Um, maybe like a four yards cloud of dust, maybe a little bit more every now and then. But I think it's important that this offense knows how to take care of the ball coming in at six and turnovers there. I know that's sometimes been a, a plague to Matthew Stafford at other stops. So it's it's great to see that this 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 offense is able to take care of the ball. And really, I think that this defense is underachieving when you think about what the pieces that they've got on that side uh, with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Leonard Floyd, and Jalen Ramsey. Darius Williams. These are all, you know, really high-level players, and they're coming in at 17th in scoring defense. I know that they're just outside the top 10 in turnovers, but when you're giving up a ton of points that doesn't travel well, you got to be able to play defense uh, once the regular season's over and you get into the playoffs. Otherwise, you're going to get in these shootouts, and if you're going to allow teams like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, and all in Dak Prescott to score a ton of points, you're not going to be hanging around very long. So really, uh, for the same reason that I don't really believe in the Buffalo Bills, uh, I'm not going to believe in the, the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to consider them pretenders. I think that you need, need to be able to run the ball. And when you get into the playoff series, is Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson going to scare you coming out of the backfield? My answer is no. Um, I don't really believe in that. And with how this team's played defense in recent weeks, I also think that that's an extreme cause for concern. So give me the Rams as pretenders currently as the five seed in the NFC, which is going to take us over to the six seed in the NFC. And currently the six seed in the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers. And don't look now, they've, they've really kind of wedged themselves in this playoff race. And, the San Francisco 49ers, after having a rough start, are currently 7-6. and six. They're third in the NFC West. And, oh, I apologize. My screen kind of just decided it wasn't going to load. But, no, so on the offensive side of things, they're 13th in scoring offense, 12th in yardage, and 17th in turnovers. While on the flip side of the defense, they're 20th in scoring defense, 8th in yardage, and 17th in turnovers. Uh I'm just going to come right out and say it, that those are very underwhelming numbers. In my in my mind, they're firmly pretender status here. They're starting to win games, which is important after they, you know, they dropped like four straight at one point in the season here to the Packers, Seahawks, Cardinals, and Colts. But uh, they're rattling off a few wins. They're four out of their last five, especially getting a really gritty win over the Bengals recently. But I just don't believe in this football team, mainly from a defensive standpoint. I thought the number one concern on their defense was who's going to play cornerback for them at the beginning of this year. And that's still one of my main concerns. We know what we're getting from Joey Bosa and uh, Eric Armstead on that defense. 
and this this front is not bad. Fred Warner, when he gets back healthy, I mean, he's the best linebacker in the game. But on the defensive back side of things, I, can you even name one on their team? I know that they have Weatherspoon on the back end, but he's he's not one that scares me. So I definitely think their their defense is a cause for concern. We know that they can run the ball as good as anybody. I mean, they for crying out loud, they have uh, Eli Mitchell, a six-round pick, uh, leading that backfield and he looks like a superstar doing it he looks like the fastest guy in the field at all times so uh, I'll take their offense over just about anybody especially with how they use Debo Samuel and uh, George Kittle and they've really come on as of late but the defense is the thing that's going to give me cause for concern and really cause me to name them as a pretender so that leads us right into our seventh seeded NFC playoff team and currently the seventh-seeded NFC playoff team is going to be the Washington football team. And the Washington football team is, um, they're, they're quite the enigma. I don't, I don't really know what to do uh, about the Washington football team, mainly because originally the, this defense on paper was like the best in the league. Like one thing, you're like, wow, they have all them guys out there and they're really good. Then Chase Young goes down. Montez Sweat's missed a significant amount of time. And those are two huge names as your two best defensive players. And now they're winning football games. So I don't really understand. But they're 23rd in scoring offense, 20th in yardage, 25th in turnovers. And on the flip side of things, they're 20th, 23rd in scoring defense, 19th in yardage, and 23rd in turnovers. So no surprise here we're going pretender especially at on the offensive side of things I love Antonio Gibson I love Terry McLaurin and I love some of these offensive weapons they have but I don't believe in Taylor Heineke uh, I know he's had some big wins he's looked real tough against the Buccaneers last year and beat him this year are you taking Ter or Taylor Heineke in a, in a playoff game over Matt Stafford over Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers uh, is he going to score you enough points against the Green Bay Packers, uh, it, it might take 30 points. Can you trust Taylor Heineke to get you 31, 32, 35 in a playoff game to close out a team and advance around? And I, that's why my answer is going to be no. I'm not a believer. I think that it's kind of fool's gold here with Washington football team right now. I think it'll be really huge for their team if they can sneak into the backside of the playoffs here. But don't expect me to make them... Uh, to make them think they're gonna they're gonna make any noise here, so that's gonna be the seventh seed for the NFC. And uh, after a quick break here, we're gonna just rattle off some of these other fringe playoff teams as well. So for the couple of teams that are on the outside looking in currently, uh, the first one we're gonna start with on the AFC side of things is gonna be the Cleveland Browns. And really, the Cleveland Browns I think are a team that might find themselves in this playoff picture by a year's end here, but. I think a lot of it rests on Baker Mayfield's shoulders, which isn't fair this year because he's been so hurt. They're currently 7-6. and six. They're 19th in scoring offense, 16th in yardage, and 6th in turnovers. So they do a good job of taking care of the ball. No surprise with how that running attack goes. But on the defensive side of things, they're 14th in points allowed, 4th in yardage, and 17th in turnovers. So they're giving up a ton of points, but it's not necessarily all over the field all the time. I think the defense is actually a little bit improved over years past, but this offense has been a little bit disappointing. 
Uh, mainly, like I said, we know what we're getting with their rushing attack, but it's a lot of it is the unknown with Baker. And I'm actually in the small group of people that thinks it's it's due to injury here. I don't think he's been the same quarterback this year. I think he's dealing with a lot, and I think they're asking a lot out of him. I'm still a believer in him, but this year I just don't think it's going to be there with how many injuries he's suffered. So Cleveland Browns give me pretenders, but I do think that they're a playoff team, which leaves us with the next team in the AFC and the last one that we're going to go through, and it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Cincinnati Bengals have been an awesome story this year uh, behind the arm of Joe Burrow, really being able to score a ton of points with his new weapon, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins really still coming on, and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. And on the offensive side of the ball, they're 7th in scoring offense, 14th in yardage, but they're 25th in turnovers, which we'll get to that in a second. But on the defensive side of things, I do still think they're vastly improved. I mean, especially for a team that, you know, you're four or five wins last year. Now you're looking at the 17th scoring defense, 17th in yardage, and 15th in turnovers. And back to that turnover number, a lot of these close games that they're losing, there's always a key turnover in a certain situation. We think back to like the Joe Mixon fumble when they were really mounting a comeback against the Chargers. That really kind of sunk their hopes. And that's kind of been the name of this team lately. Uh, they win some big ones, but they also lose a lot of tight close ones. And that doesn't always spell well for uh, playoff success. Uh, I really wish I could say that this team is going to be a, a surefire playoff team. But especially when you get late into December, I know they have Joe Mixon, but they really haven't been able, been able to use him lately just because they get behind the ball so quick. So if they were to square off against the Cleveland Browns, I think I'm taking the Cleveland Browns over them to get into the playoffs. So that's why I'm going to name the Bengals as pretenders. But I wanted to make sure we included them here just because it's been a really electric turnaround for them as of late. And then for the NFC side of things, I wanted to make sure we we kept it fair here and really included a couple of their fringe guys as well too. And I believe the first team that's on our list here and it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think they're currently tied for the seventh spot. But the Philadelphia Eagles, also another team that I don't really think anybody had <laughs> pinned as this team that was going to be a playoff team this year. They kind of thought it was going to be a rebuild year. And you got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You don't know what you got. But at this point, I think we kind of do know what they got. They got a team that's going to be able to score points behind his arm they're 12th in scoring offense 15th in yardage and then fourth in turnovers and then defensively they're 16 16th in uh, points allowed ninth in yardage and 25th in turnovers so the defensive numbers aren't as bad as I thought that they were going to be this year I kind of thought this defense was a sieve but the more that you look at it here they're 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 an average defense they they give up the average amount of points. They don't give up a ton of yardage, but they're also not going to get you a ton of uh, turnovers. But on the offensive side of things, I think is what's more impressive is they take care of the ball. They're fourth in turnovers. And they don't really have a run game outside of the QB run game with Jalen Hurts. But we see what this offense can be when they're really efficient underneath Gardner Minshew. So it's a, it's a dilemma. I don't know who's the QB of the future here. But I definitely think there's positive signs you're moving in the right direction in Philly. So they should really be happy about this. But I just don't think that you're going to be a contender in the playoffs. Uh, so apologize to the Philly fans. And then the other team that I wanted to make sure I included that was tied for the seventh spot 
in the NFC is going to be the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Saints and really I was I was really pulling for the Saints this year especially with Jameis Winston finally getting a a big time opportunity with Drew Brees retiring there but he goes down with a big injury and this offense just hasn't quite looked the same since he's left uh, they're 16th in scoring offense, 23rd in yardage, and 11th in turnovers. So they do a good job taking care of the ball, but they're not really scoring a ton of points. They're pretty average and mediocre in every category after that. On the flip side, this defense is, uh, it's been pretty good, and it's always been an average defense, but th- this year it's been pretty good. It's been kind of one of the units that's going to keep them afloat most year, most weeks in and out. They're 11th in scoring, 11th in yardage, and 15th in turnovers. And I know they have one of the best run defenses in the league. So really, uh, I would actually consider them as a contender, as a seventh seed, if they had somebody running the offense that I knew was going to be a reliable option. Taysom Hill, not a reliable option. I think he's got maybe one or two throwing touchdowns compared to about four or five interceptions in the last two to three weeks. Uh, he's doing most of his damage on the ground. He's a, he's a glorified running back that can throw the ball a little bit, currently under center, and I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in the 31-year-old quarterback making this huge ascension into stardom after flailing this early, this or this long, this early. So consider them pretenders, but I I wanted to make sure I included them just because I thought that they could be contenders with the right guy calling the calling the offense. So that's going to be it for this week's show. Uh, I appreciate everybody bearing with me. Uh, I took some time off here just to take a little bit of a mid-season break here uh, from my my day job and from this job here. So I really appreciate everybody uh, waiting for the episode to come out here this morning. Um, I appreciate every single one of you that um, listened to this show. I, I don't always know why, but I, I like to think that we put out a good product there for everybody. So as always, make sure you subscribe and tune in next week. We've always got great stuff coming out. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week, but it's going to be some fun stuff. So make sure you come back and have a great rest of your week and watch some NFL football.